This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we just keep it shallow. I'm your host, Megan. I'm Kate. Get ready for all the spoilers. You and Mike, so you and Mike had breakfast with Purge 2 this morning? We did. I woke up really early and, you know, I woke up at six and I was just kind of reading in bed and I knew I needed to watch the movie. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to make coffee and I'm just going to put it on. So we watched it from like 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. this morning. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. When I woke up, I, um, I, I, switched it back on to the the second half of the movie just so I could get one last viewing in and then I decided to actually get up great it's a great great way to start the day with some anarchy in your life I actually really like watching horror movies like in the morning it's not something that I've ever really done before we started doing this podcast but now based on our recording schedule and based on just how things end up shaking out over the weekend or whatnot I've actually had m- many times now where I've watched like a pretty gruesome horror movie at like, you know, eight, nine, ten in the morning. And it's like nice to have your cup of coffee, like <laughs> be fully alert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I-, I tend to watch them before I go to bed. But hey, we're here talking Purge too. Yeah, this is Purge Anarchy. Yeah, apparently Purge 2 is anarchy. I... um didn't didn't really pay attention to the numbering system because there isn't one and I was just going in order of of the way my movies had downloaded and watched election year first thinking it was number two (laughs) so I came back and watched anarchy again it's just total anarchy it fits purge anarchy is you know it's a good movie I think it's not really horror movie in a traditional sense this one feels a lot more like an action movie yeah this is the movie where michael bay gets involved yes this is a michael bay blame that on him (laughs) (laughs) we've got the same director for this whole series james demonico and he's also the writer for all of these movies too so we we get the same degree of world building the same kind of quality of writing and storytelling throughout, which is actually really nice in comparison to the Saw movies, I think. Yeah, I actually wrote notes at the end about how much I appreciated um, this world building. I just, I think they do such a nice job um, keeping up how spooky everyone is and (laughs) how frightening this scenario is. Um, and, And I think they've also used the same composer, which helps. Yeah, there's a lot of consistency in these movies. And I think that that that's one of the the better qualities of this movie series. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you haven't seen The Purge, um, then you can either watch it or you can skip that and just listen to our Purge episode. But essentially in Purge 1, the the world building is pretty, um, pretty narrow in scope. It it tells us that in the year 2022, 
There is uh, an annual purge night where for 12 hours, all crime, including murder, they're very particular to call out, is legal. And the whole focus of the plot is on this wealthy white American family and all of the happenings that go on solely within this very upper class neighborhood. Whereas in Purge Anarchy, we're dropped into uh, Los Angeles and, you know, downtown and surrounding Los Angeles. And it's all about the, um, you know, poverty line, working class, and then I think like middle, middle class, like people are really the focus of Purge Anarchy. Yeah, I call this one the one with all the vignettes. There's a handful of characters now that we're getting to know. And actually, I just find them so much more likable than in Purge 1. <laughs> I like these <laughs> characters a lot. It's a lot easier to root for them. It is. For sure. Because you just see these people just really fighting to survive in this horrible society. And uh, like we said, it's kind of Michael Bay. It's kind of action-y. It is creepy. I think that there's a lot of like creepy elements to this movie, but I don't think it has the same kind of traditional horror, like jump scares. It's not even particularly gory. Um, oh, I'm going to have to look this up, but I don't actually remember what the rating on this movie is. Do you? Oh, it's R. Is it an R? I mean, that makes sense. Kate, I'm not even going to look it up. It's R. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the confidence. <laughs> I mean, there's like a potential rape scene in it and there's blood everywhere and people are getting beat up on the streets. Is there cursing? You know, I, I kind of forgot about cursing. Does that, does I that don't really, I don't really think that there's a lot of cursing in this one. It, and it doesn't need it, but yeah. Yeah. I guess that's just like a creepy enough movie to like warrant an R. I guess that I'm so used to American movies being so comfortable with violence that the fact that there were no sex scenes and there were no there was no swearing or nudity or anything I was like they might have snuck in a PG-13 on this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what are your kids gonna grow up watching <laughs> oh I don't even I I might end up going like super far and just being one of those insane, like no screen parents just because really? I don't know if I, I, know if I trust myself otherwise. <laughs> yeah. We don't want them to end up like us. What a mess. Oh my gosh. I don't know what's age appropriate <laughs> for kids. And I certainly don't want to spend, you know, eight years of my life watching Dora the Explorer. So kind of going through some, some other high level, you know, details about this one. It came out in 2014. Um, pretty lean budget still, considering it's, it's a pretty Hollywood movie, pretty Michael Bay kind of-esque movie. Yeah, it's down there with Saw now. It's It's got it's got the Saw budget, yep. like when Saw came out. Or, you know, not Saw 1, obviously. That was pretty pretty low budget. Um, but now it's gone up from 3 to 10 or so. Yeah, just like Saw did yep. after its first year. Yep, and it grossed uh, 10x, $111 million. So very successful. Um, I'm sure someone very deserving mm -hmm. took home a nice paycheck. Um, and unfortunately, it's pretty poorly rated on Rotten it is. Tomatoes. 
but it, it, it does have a yeah, 56%. Which, which is funny because in, you know, when I'm judging horror, if I see a horror movie with, you know, a, a percent in the 50s or 60s, I'm like, oh, that's not too bad. I, I'd watch that. <laughs> and um, so for me, this movie is is relatively high for a horror movie, um, at least a horror movie that I'll that I'll give some of my attention to. So it's it's got a higher rating than a lot of the Saw movies. I'll say that. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, it does. It is fun to see how critics just generally rail against horror movies. Like it's not unsurprising to see horror movies hanging like the best horror movies yeah. hanging out in this fifty to sixty percent range. You you, yeah. are, you are right. Yeah. I think there is a class of horror movie that is just phenomenal. And that's stuff like, I don't know, Rosemary's Baby, Exorcist, um The Shining. The Shining classics, yeah. yeah. And then there's this large swath of horror movies that are just fun and well done for what they are. And I think this is, this is one of them. I guess we're getting into our reviews already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's save that for our, our, our ending, our recap. Um, and let's jump into the plot. Yeah. We're here at the prelude. Um, and we get that card overlay that is telling us all of the success stats of the purge and why it's so great um i think poverty is is down below five percent says something like this correct yeah and crime is super low crime yeah unemployment is down below one percent there's some like very low numbers and some very lofty um goals that have been reached because of the purge everything's attributed to the purge um but i do appreciate how consistent they are with their graphics they they are very consistent yeah no i feel like i'm in the same universe i I know they they do a good job keeping those things consistent through the movies like whenever you see a government graphic it's the same branding it's the same like font and color scheme you know it's it's the attention to detail that you don't always get, especially in a sequel. Mm-hmm. And I just really like that they took the care to do that. The other details that we get is that the year is 2023. So it's one year after last the, the events from Purge 1. And we have uh, just over two hours until this year's Purge starts. And people are still doing things. Yes. Okay. So this this first part of the movie, what we're going to call the first act here is really just introducing us to a menagerie of characters. There's a lot of characters in this one that we're focusing on and they're all doing things right up until the purge starts. (laughs) They are not home bunkering down yet. And I don't understand why. (laughs) Capitalism, baby. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I two mean, and a half we, hours oh man <laughs> i mean when we saw in purge one um the family the super waspy wealthy family they were um at home they were making dinner it didn't seem like the mom was working at all the kids had already been home for hours the dad was cutting it a little close driving home but he seemed not pressed at all Whereas here, when we get introduced to our first character, Ava, um, she's at work in a diner and 
they're they've got the news on that's telling them like you need to get home and stay safe but she's still closing up at the diner like she can't just leave yeah and i feel so bad for this woman she is she, they they go through her story um throughout the whole the whole beginning section but we come to find out that she's been desperately needing a raise at work um and she seems like a very level-headed woman um, who cares about her family the more we get to know her in this section. Um, and she is too afraid to ask her boss because, you know, it's purge night. Like her boss isn't going to want to help her with this on purge night. And I thought it was such a good immediate contrast to the characters in purge one who are so blase about this whole thing. Yeah. This one does a really good job setting you up to think, what would working class people who live in a city have to deal with logistically even on a purge yeah. night, you know, because Ava, she leaves work and, you know, when she's at work, she's got a guy hitting on her. She's walking home and has guys bothering her on the street saying like, you know, Hey baby, you need some protection tonight. You know, she's just kind of getting constantly harassed by men who are using the purge as an excuse to try and get with her. Yeah. They're all like, use my dick for protection tonight. And I'm just <laughs> like, nobody wants that. <laughs> Go brush your teeth. Ugh. Um, we also get to meet her daughter who has basically grown up with this custom. Yeah. I mean, this is what, nine years old now, this, this tradition so far. Yeah. And there's, yeah. And this is actually a really great kind of, world building drop in mm -hmm. here, which is that, um, on, in the background, there's, um, I think it's maybe on a radio broadcast, they're talking about the purge and they say that this is the, um, the ninth year, basically that the new founding fathers, which is the party political party that's currently in power, um, has, has been in office and uh, we can all do math and we all know that presidential terms are four years. And so this kind of tells you that there's something to me, at least it felt like there was something broken in the political system mm -hmm. because they're exceeding term limits at this point. Yeah. I, the only way I could think of to talk around that was that they were referring to the party was in power, not necessarily the person. But then I did the math. We're talking about math now. So I did uh, 23 minus nine, and that brought me to 14. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized we didn't have an election in 2014. What the heck <laughs> happened here? <laughs> what happened in 2014? I'm so uh, curious. Yeah. I, I mean, guess we don't we, know. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to watch Purge election year next to find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've met her, we've met Ava, we've met her daughter, and we also do get to meet her father who has his own sort of story trajectory. Um, yeah. And I really like that they s spend the time to give us a little bit of dynamic between the daughter, her name's Callie, and um, Ava's dad, who's Callie's grandpa. They're, they're hanging out at home waiting for Ava to come home from work. And Callie is watching these, um, like, very, like, kind of radical protest leader videos um, that's really railing against the purge. And Featuring so, a very glowy Michael Williams. <laughs> yes. And his name is Carmelo. 
um, I don't know, one of my issues with um, the portrayal of Carmelo, like, because we really only see him in the beginning of this movie through these, like, YouTube video clips, right, that, that Callie's watching. And they've got him in really um, aggressively costumed in Black Panther um, yeah. looks. He's got the black beret. He's wearing the the circular glasses, very like very military esque kind of clothing in these black and white videos. Um, but he doesn't. Whenever he's talking about things, he never actually connects what he's saying in the purge to any like bl- actual black activism or black panther things like that he's really railing against it in terms of like this is a socioeconomic problem this yeah. is capitalism like they're targeting poor people but he never actually connects it to like they're targeting people of color or they're targeting black people i appreciate about this um series that they point that out you know it it is uh, it's no coincidence that people of color tend to be lumped in this group but that is still the reality of who's being targeted it is it is a poverty thing um mm-hmm. it just so happens in our country that everyone who's rich tends to be white not always mm-hmm. but tends to be that way um and so i i do appreciate that they that they take that into account i still don't enjoy the character too much he's not really my favorite he's not developed very well i think yeah, I think I think he's a good actor. I just think that he's written really flatly. Like I mm-hmm. think that the character is just like, oh, we need to have a radical yeah. and anti-new founding fathers leader, you know. Yeah, it sort of felt like they were just taking something that we were all familiar with and applying it to his character, even though it didn't really make sense on a social level why yeah. he's doing the Black Panther thing. Yeah. But I digress. Yeah. We have other characters who are also introduced to us. Um, One of them, his name is Leo. I think that they only actually really use his name once um, in the movie. Um, And this is, we see him uh, in a pretty bare bones apartment. You know, he's stockpiling weapons. He's getting guns ready. He's got some pretty ominous newspaper clippings on a wall, you know? Because <laughs> that's what people do. They <laughs> clip newspapers and stick it to the walls, apparently still in 2023. Yep. Yeah. So you know this guy's got an, you know, he's got an agenda. <laughs> he's going to do something. Yeah. He's basically just a badass with a gun and he has an axe to grind on Purge Night. And that that's that's Leo. That's Leo. He, you know, some woman, you know, probably a wife, maybe an ex-wife, maybe a lover, not really explained. She shows up and she's basically like, don't do it. Don't hunt on purge night. And, you know, he's, he's got about a dozen, he's purge night. He's got a dozen guns on his bed. What do you think he's going to do? Yeah. Lay off lady. (laughs) It's his right. The last couple that were introduced to are introduced to us also <laughs> taking care of business a little dangerously close to the purge start yeah time. um this total i don't know if it's because they're naive because they're white or 
because they had work or something, who knows, but they decide to go grocery shopping yeah. like less than an hour before the purge starts. And they, they go through downtown. I mean, they need to go through downtown to get either home or to the grocery store, right? Because we see them driving through downtown and that's where they get stuck when their car breaks down. Now there's some some gaps to fill in there. Um, obviously, I'm I'm skimming a little bit, but I felt that was so bizarre, Kate. I mean, you and I both lived in this area that they're showing on screen, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't go anywhere if I had to drive through downtown LA and had no. you know less than two hours to to be safely at home. I mean, honestly, the <laughs> the neighborhood where they're going grocery shopping I was like oh that looks like Silver Lake and then it shows them driving through downtown LA and I'm like why are they driving through downtown LA if they have to get to Silver Lake (laughs) why can't they go to a closer grocery store it was just bizarre (sighs) yeah Um, I had to imagine it was you know it's kind of like a plot trick to like yeah force people to drive through downtown for this but like yeah you know it's LA there's like a corner market like every neighborhood um you really well, can't go 12 hours without food? Oh, why didn't just... they grocery shop the day before? Oh, man. <laughs> I just have so many problems with this couple. But, but you know, fine. Um, we also learned that this couple is married and they are separating. And uh, their names are Shane and what's the woman's name? Liz. Liz. Yeah, Shane is not excited about separating. But these two run in, these two are at the grocery store leaving and before their car breaks down, they run into our sort of, sort of other character, but not, not, not really a character, but more of like a antagonist. Yeah. Antagonist, but like, it's more of like a force, right? We, we see this cool shot of these anarchists in the same or near the same parking lot. Um, just sort of creeping nearby, waiting for Purge Night to start. And they have this amazing, like, slow music that plays when you see them on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and everything slows down, and they're in these really scary masks. And this, like, this creeped me out. This, I thought, was very creepy. Um, but they, uh, to me, they sort of represent that, like, that tertiary character of just doom. They represented mm-hmm. doom to me, yeah. Um, but I, I love this shot right before we, right before right before we end our introduction scene um, of the anarchists. It makes it really real because up to this point, we've seen glimpses of what's about to happen. We've seen the background news or the radio. Um, there's one part where a guy in downtown LA is just selling guns on the side of the street. But this is where we see just the actual physical presence of people who are prepared to start murdering other people as soon as they're allowed to. And it's scary. It's really, it's got this like ominous feeling. It really spooks Shane and Liz and they're like, we got to get out of here. And of course they're driving and they're, basically at the edge of downtown, which is the absolute worst place to be. And their car breaks down. Yeah, no good. So this is right before our next act. 
Yeah. So um, our next act is really where the purge begins. In this section, we see we have all of these different threads going on with our different characters. We've got Ava and Callie and her dad. We've got Leo and we've got Shane and Liz. And right now they're all kind of scattered across the LA area when the purge sirens go off. And the first people that we really see affected by this are Shane and Liz because as they're stranded and they're kind of like partially under like a bridge type area where they're on a bridge. Right. And um, who pulls up, but that kind of gang of anarchists um, of those masked guys, um, they pull up, they've got a truck, they've got motorcycles. And so these two take off on foot into the heart of downtown. Yeah. And these guys are just toying with them. It's really creepy. They, they kind of pull up at the top of a hill and you see them from the point of view of the couple and they're just standing there kind of like getting out of their big van and swinging their weapons around and just freaking them out. And it's mm-hmm. so good. I, this, this was chilling. Like the first, this section and, and the introduction section, when you see them, that really got under my skin. I thought it was very frightening. So I thought this was a really cool shot. Yeah. And it goes into this like pastiche montage of all of the people of LA who are preparing to hunt coming out in force. And I just kind of got goosebumps when it happened because you see people of all different types who are prepared to go out and uh, and kill a lot of people or be extremely yeah. violent towards a lot of people. You've got some people who have armed themselves with guns. There are people with knives. There are some people that are just uh, out there just with their hands they don't have any weapons at all but they're all out there because they're like this is my night to you know wreck some havoc on this city yeah it felt very escape from la and new york to me have you seen those movies i have not oh man so those movies are also very dystopian um and they take place in these metro areas and it's just these metro areas have been turned into prisons of course (laughs) Just a giant prison. Yeah. And so, yeah. So this sort of shit is happening constantly in those movies because that's just sort of how we've decided we think everyone wants to live if given the chance. And so it reminded me of that. And I was just thinking, you know, how do you build up this network all year with people who don't, who don't necessarily want to come out and say, oh, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll hang out with you on purge night. Right. I mean, you have to seek those people out and be ready for yeah. it. <laughs> it's so creepy. Um, but this this part of the story is when all of our characters start to converge. So we see what happens to Ava's father. Um, yeah. What sort of, yeah, triggers their their journey and all this like why why they why they move forward in the story and not not go looking for him um so there is of course some cultural shifts that have taken place outside of the purge um and that is you know the wealthy coming up with their own ways to 
to revel in it without putting themselves at risk. And Mm -hmm. this is what Ava's father has decided to take part in. Yeah, he's introduced to us as someone who is very ill. He needs to take expensive medication. Part of the reason why Ava wanted to get a raise at work. And while the mom and the daughter are setting up for dinner, he sneaks out through his window and we see him getting into uh, a limousine. And the mom and daughter, Ava and Kelly, they learn through a note that he left for them, that he has sacrificed himself. So a wealthy, waspy, purging family has agreed to pay Ava $100,000 in order to collect her dad, essentially, so that they they can just kill him in the safety of their own home. Yeah. And it's, it's really got some strong slavery connotations, kind of overtones. Um, he's sitting in a chair in a, in a big dining room covered in plastic so that they, you know, they wouldn't want to get his blood on any of their nice things. And they're all holding hands around him in prayer. It's so bizarre looking, but I, it felt so such, it felt like such a callback to you know, slavery, right? Like this guy is basically giving his life. He's selling himself into their servitude um, for the evening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just become another form of human trafficking. Yeah. It's awful. It's really, yeah. It's really the fact that he opted into this and is getting paid for it. I mean, at least he is able to get that for his family, but the fact that wealthy people are so, untouched by this and are willing to pay a premium to take a human life just shows the state state of the country at this point. And Ava, um, I really appreciated how just Mm -hmm. kind of rational she is because Callie, her daughter is still very, she's an optimist. She's a teenager. She's like, we have to go save him. And, and Ava is like, no, it's done. Like this is, this is not a thing that you come back from. And yeah, I thought that made this scene really dark and really good. It really gave me a lot of respect for this movie because I was like, oh God, please don't tell me this is the crux of the movie because he's gone. (laughs) And that's how they treated it. So I appreciated that. I think that one of the world building pieces that they don't totally get into in this movie is that crime is legal for the 12 hours that the purge happens, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., but a lot of things that have to actually make the purge function for wealthy people have to occur, have to occur before the purge starts. Yes. So whoever organized you know, the payment for Cal- for Kelly's grandpa, the organization that they were going to pay $100,000, planning when to pick him up. That is human trafficking. And that had to have been set up before the purge night. And so we just see, again, wealthy people being held to a different standard when it comes to the purge, because they are doing things that are not, uh, that aren't legal. They're doing illegal activities to support their purge activities. And they're just not touched by it at all. Yeah. So this leads us into the next uh, 
section that that sort of pushes the story forward um we we do have a crossover with leo at this point um in Mm -hmm. between that point and uh ava finding out her father has left we get this earlier vato from like a scene where he is trying to give his dick to ava for protection um he has decided that her answer of no is not enough and bursts into her room and is basically telling Ava and her daughter that he's going to most likely rape and murder them. Mm-hmm. And he says, he says, it's my night to purge. It's my right. I think he even quotes the founding fathers of America, of whatever. And I was like, Oh my God, this guy is such a dork. They really I mean- like, there's a couple characters in this movie who have just like been brainwashed by it where they're like, oh, all I have to do is say these magic words and that totally absolves me from brutally <laughs> raping and murdering a mother and daughter at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty gross. And he really needs to brush his teeth. He's gross. He's a gross guy. Yeah. Um, but he gets taken out pretty quickly by these yeah he's gone but he's replaced by a couple of even worse dudes who are super like tricked out in military gear and they they come in to say and they say as they come in that they're here to retrieve the women for a personal purge yeah it's so gross you know these women who thought they'd be all right you know they're home at least um I guess all right is strong language to use, but, you know, relative to what's going on outside, they'd be all right. So they're getting basically kidnapped. This is all happening simultaneously from from each other. And they're being dragged outside to somebody who would like his own personal purge party um, in the back of a semi-truck. And this is when we see our badass. He's been... Uh, kind of creeping heading towards his target for the night and he comes upon this scene of these two women being dragged to the back of the semi truck mm-hmm. and this is how we know that leo is actually a good guy he sees he sees these women he sees the scene playing out and he stops he stops his car which is a very outfitted like military grade car <laughs> and he say he saves the day he um, he re- retrieves the women. He shoots the guys um, who are trying to take them hostage. And um, as this is going on, our um, like hapless white couple, Shane and Liz, um, they notice that there is a car that is sitting unlocked and they just creep into the backseat. Yep. <laughs> they think that's going to keep them safe. I thought that was such a funny decision to just get into a car and lay there all night. I Hey, I guess that's what you got to do, right? I mean, honestly, if I had been in Shane and Liz's position when their car broke down, I think I would have tried to lock myself in the trunk for the night. That's what I was thinking too. Like I wouldn't try to. Yeah, I wouldn't try to go through LA on foot. That seems like a terrible idea for people who have no weapons and look weak as shit like no like there's no way (laughs) yeah um i did want to say a quick thing before we totally leave like the scene um from ava and callie's apartment is just 
One thing I noticed that's a really big departure from Purge 1 is that in Purge 1, it takes place all within this one kind of super wealthy community. And they all have the ultra deluxe automated security system where it brings down steel over the doors and the windows and there's security cameras and there's alerts, you know, there's all of this stuff. Whereas in Ava and Kelly's apartment, um, of course, they're able to get attacked by that drunk guy who wants to rape them because literally the only thing that they can do is nail a two by four across their door. They don't have a security system. They just, they put up something to try and deter someone and hope it works out. And in this case, it didn't work out. No. And, and actually as the couple are driving through LA, you do see people boarding up their windows as opposed to being able to afford those big um, systems. So that was, Mm -hmm. that was also a really stark contrast between this and the first one. Um, But our couple are hiding in the back seat of Leo's car. And eventually Leo is able to get the upper hand and save Ava and Callie. And now our group is together. They are all in the car um, together and they are running away from the man in V semi. So now the gang is all together. Um, I think this is a good time for a break. I need a refill. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, and we're back. So we were at the point where the gang has all gotten together, but Leo, who has his own agenda to pursue, is not about it. (laughs) No. So they're driving through the city, and pretty much as soon as he can, he pulls off into an alley, um, kicks the group out of his car, hands them guns, which is way more, way more than he is even obligated to do. And yeah, really nice to, of him, actually. I know, and tells them to get out of there. Um, and I was just so, like, offended on his behalf that everyone's giving him a hard time for, quote-unquote, abandoning them in the city. Yeah, I, I didn't understand this either, Kate, because he rescues them right outside of their own apartment, and they don't go back inside. Um, I guess, I guess I, I get why they don't go back inside once they realize that the guy in the trailer is still alive, but I feel like my initial reaction would have been, Hey, we're going to go back inside of our apartment and lock up. I think that that would have been mine too. I don't know if the girls caught that someone was trying to get them for a personal purge. And they certainly at this point don't know spoilers that it's the government after them. Um, So it's definitely, um, yeah, I definitely agree that I probably would have headed back to my apartment also. And instead they're going with this guy. He gives them guns out of his personal stash of weapons and they give him an extremely hard time about it. (laughs) But he, he only relents when Ava promises that they can, get him another car because his car has been so shot up at this point that it's not really drivable anymore. Yeah. So. So. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny because this piece of the movie is so boring. And I think we both just want to 
bullet point through it so we can get to the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So their goal at this point is to get to Ava's friend's house. Um, We met this friend briefly at the top of the movie. Her name's Talia to get to this car. And so they have to get to the other side of LA, essentially, to get to this car. And um, I'll just go through some of the points, Megan, jump in. Yeah. But I mean, there's a machine gun toting woman hanging out on top of a rooftop who's... Yeah, she's a loon. Yeah, there's a street booby trap that was set up by someone that actually catches Shane leg, Shane's yeah. leg in. Poor Shane. There are people firing at them out of apartment complex windows. Yeah. There's loud whispers and general distrust amongst the group. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of annoying. So Shane, <laughs> Shane's really suspicious of Leo out this whole time. He's like, this guy might have been out here purging. And I was just like, don't Duh. be an idiot, guys. He was driving around downtown LA by himself in an armored vehicle with like a dozen guns on him. He wasn't here to protect people. He was here to try and murder someone. (laughs) (laughs) Like, get over it. Oh, my. Um, Um, General arson and murder and some boring music playing in this this piece of the movie. Yeah. It's just a full pastiche of, like, there's a lot going on. Nowhere is safe. Um, The group finds um, one of those large... Um, you know, military grade government trucks um, has been taken out. All the guys have been killed and, you know, spray painted in the area is the, you know, slogans and, and icons from Carmelo's anti NFFA group. So that's kind of keeping that threat alive. Mm-hmm. And at some point they make their way down into the subway and we get a really nice Mad Max scene right here Mm -hmm. yeah i call them the pyro purgers (laughs) (laughs) um they just have like flame guns and also their car looks like it's partially on fire it didn't really make a lot of sense no but it looked really fun and i and i loved it (laughs) (laughs) and uh shane is really kind of our fall guy like he's the one who's like falls into the booby trap and like gets his leg stuck earlier and then with the with the mad max purgers he gets shot He's the one I'm waiting through this whole movie um, for him to get it. I just am like, this little sad white guy's going to get it. He's not going to make it. <laughs> he's trying, but he's he's not going to make it. I could tell. And you would not be wrong. <laughs> I know. Um, I love this part of the movie, though, because it really shows how this is sort of almost a zombie movie in a way. I mean, there's no zombies, but... They are running away and grouping up the same way you would see in a in a zombie movie, and um, I found that to be pretty fun. That's a really good point, and I had not thought about it in that way. Yeah, and that's what I love about the first half of this movie is that they are trying to to get from point A to B safely, and they have to do it in such a um vagabond like. Let's see group of vagabond you know loners kind of coming together and and do it together and I was like oh this is fun this is the kind of movie I like I love zombie movies I love apocalypse movies so it really (laughs) felt that way but it's only one night um 
But anyways, uh, I feel like we're about to switch out of that. Oh, before we do. Yeah. Yeah. Before we do, I do want to ask, so because this is really about this whole sequence, I feel is like, okay, we've got this kind of ragtag gang coming together at the beginning and through through all of these roadblocks that they're running into, trying to get to this car across the city. Um, they're learning about each other as teammates, they're learning who's weak who's strong who freezes up versus who's able to like keep up with it like liz surprisingly um is actually pretty capable with a gun is something that we learn and so kind of from this point on when leo funny enough when leo needs someone to back him up on a gun he like gives liz the gun so that's that's an interesting thing that we see here so i wanted to ask you like who would you want in your purge group Um, well, I'm 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 gonna want Zach. I mean, of course, because yeah. he's Zach. Zach's plan has always been to go out into the wilderness if something like this happens, and I am just so on the fence about it. Um, but anyway, he he has a good head on his shoulders, so I would definitely want Zach. Who else would I want in my purge group? Um, oh, uh, I work with. A couple of ladies, Tawny and Valerie, who know how to use a bow and arrow. So I'd probably mm. want them in my nice. purge group. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I'd, I'd ask them to join me. Um, I also would want somebody who is street smart. Um, and I don't know who that is, but I, yeah, would hope that I could figure this out ahead of time. Um, but I would want somebody who is more comfortable in these types of situations. You see Ava in the movie and she just seems so out of her element. You know, she's really just worried about her daughter. And like you said, she's not very, she's not good with a gun. Um, she's not good at thinking on her feet. She's kind of like, I just want to get to safety and stay there. And that's who I feel like I am. So I would need people like Leo and I would need people who know how the purge really works um on the ground floor if i was going to be going through it i think that would make me feel better and then Mm -hmm, of course zach mm -hmm. what about you yeah i would want mike of course um he's a lot stronger than me (laughs) and then i think um i don't know if i have specific people i have like types of people like you were saying like someone who's street smart i would want someone who actually knows how to use a gun Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like it would be useful. Um, <laughs> you know what? It's funny is my, you know, you know, Emily, my, and my friend, Emily, um, she's a veterinarian. And, um, so I feel like she would be a good, like medical resource yes. in case someone got like cut or injured or shot or something. Um, I don't know any doctors, but I think that Emily would be would be great in that situation. She's also very level-headed, so I think that that would be helpful. In reality, the way that these survival groups work is like who's in your immediate vicinity and those yeah. are the people to deal with. Yeah, it'd be my neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, it's a kind of a toss of the dice, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. What uh yeah, I I would be doomed, I think in general but I, I would do my best. That's all you can do in one of these situations, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this is a situation where like a participation trophy is like 
just as good as first place. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> so now we're at the point in the purge where there are four and a half hours left. So this is what, 2.30 in the morning? Yeah. So they're actually burning down the, you know, burning down the clock. They're they're having to get across LA mostly on foot and it takes a long time. LA is a big city. People normally drive across it. So they're really burning down time before they actually make it to Talia's apartment. Yeah. And okay. Can we talk about this for a second? They are like running. There's this scene right before they get to Talia where they're just running and running and running. And I was like, do they know where they're running to? Because (laughs) I'm doing couch to 5k and I need a timer to tell me when to stop because that's what gives me life is knowing where the end is <laughs> and they just keep running so yeah I wanted to call that if out if we're being generous maybe it's adrenaline I guess just kind of that like fight or flight response just kind of pushing them but yeah I mean it's always a little unbelievable when you see people who've never had to run in their lives like run for an extended period of time running like not a, jogging yeah they're doing like the flailing arms running too they're not like running efficiently, I would say. <laughs> and then, and then they make it, they make it to Talia's place and everybody is up like partying. Yeah. Talia's apartment is um, a total change of pace because they're drinking, they're watching the purge events on TV. It's like kind of like they're hosting a purge party of their own. They're not for the most part, they're not participating, um, but they're dressed nice. Talia lives in a nice apartment. I would say, I would say that Talia is very firmly like middle class, maybe upper middle class. So we start to see like the difference between someone like Ava and Callie who are maybe lower middle class, maybe lower class versus Talia, who's like middle to upper middle class and still having a very different experience from the um, upper class or very wealthy people. You see a scenario play out that seems very petty. When I saw it, it seemed very petty. Not the kind of thing you want to kill somebody over. Um, Talia's sister realizes that Talia has been sleeping with her husband. So this is Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Her sister's name is Lorraine. And um and you see Lorraine catch on to this and decide, you know, in her in, in her eyes you can kind of see it happening in the scene. This is the night I'm going to deal with this. Um and and it just seems like wow, everything was going fine. And now you're blowing everything up. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Kate, obviously mm-hmm. in this scene, um, there are some people that, that think it's okay to purge, um, even though this family has already said, you know, we don't believe in the purge. We don't do this. We're about to see somebody get purged from this family. Is there a scenario where you think the purge is okay to play out? No, I don't. I really don't. I know. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> no, I mean, I jokingly referred to our administration. Um, but, you know, if you're going to purge somebody there, then 
you got to be okay with anybody getting purged. And um, it's that slippery slope argument, basically, that I have. I mean, it's like the death penalty, right? Like, I feel like if you're against the death penalty, you don't really get to be like, oh, I'd make an exception for this really horrible person because it's it's the principle, right? Like, I there's like one shot in this movie that kind of nods to quote unquote like acceptable purging where uh, as the gang is trying to get to Talia's apartment, they see strung up outside of a bank, a stockbroker um, who has essentially been lynched by probably the common man. Uh, and he's got a sign on him that says, you know, he stole our money, so he had to go. Mm-hmm. And so you see like, okay, here is an example of um, someone punching up, right? Yeah. But that is like a single occurrence in the movie that we see of like people actually using the purge to try and right societal injustices. Otherwise, you just see like people of the same class either taking each other out or you see wealthy people um, using the purge as like sport basically to kill people in a lower class than them. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe if the purge was like not murder, maybe if it was like all crime <laughs> except murder is legal. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Or rape. I, there'd be so many things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. I guess like we, no violent. Yeah, no violent oh, crime. Oh, God. God. No, no rape. No rape. <laughs> yeah, no, no violent crime. Maybe if it was just like, I mean, white collar crime is basically legal anyway for white people. So I don't even know. No purges. No no purging allowed. (laughs) Oh, God. It's, yeah. It's like you eat with this kind of thing, you either have to go, like, it's all good or it's all bad. Um, Although at the end, we do see, we do see some limitations finally coming into play. But yeah. Kind of, kind of tough to curb. It's like you got to go all in. You just got to, you just got to let people purge however they want. If you're going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, when we see the purge play out with Talia and her family, Lorraine, her sister, kills Talia. Fucking Lorraine. And she's got a gun pointed at her husband and it all just kind of gets really chaotic. And, um, you know, Leo, of course, jumps in and, um, you know, ends up shooting the husband because he's holding Liz hostage and then gets them all out of there and gets them out of there like without a second to spare because essentially as soon as he gets them out of this building and over and into the alley to hide into, um, he over he sees these government goons kind of coming in to raid the building because they have tracked where Ava and Callie um, we're likely going to. Yeah, they really want them. And um, he kind of sends them accidentally into their arms. You know, he thinks he's telling Ava to go somewhere safe and they and they run off and basically they run off towards these goons unknowingly and then he eventually follows and they are kidnapped by the government goons. <sighs> yeah, I mean... We have seen this gang of roving purgers or hunters is the, the, the term they use in the movies. Um, it's so funny that the name of the event is The Purge, but if you participate in The Purge, you're a hunter. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to call them purgers. 
<laughs> and so we've seen them throughout the movie. They're very recognizable because they're wearing these masks and this face paint that's super distinctive. And they they kidnap the whole gang. And um, the twist comes out that these guys, they're not the bad guys. They're just facilitating even worse guys. Yes. And those even worse guys, before we get to, I mean, it's the government. It's a bunch of rich old white guys in the government, women too. Mm -hmm. Um, But these mercenaries that are working for the government are Nazis. The government has hired Nazis to go out looking for people to hunt. Mm -hmm. And I was in a way shocked. Um, It's, it's really shocking to think of your government siding with Nazis, you know, after everything we've been through in this, in, in the uh, history of humanity. Um, But I was like, finally, finally, the villains in a movie or whatever are Americans. It's Mm -hmm. always, it's always like, a terrorist in, you know, the Middle East or a Russian or the Chinese or, you know, some some boogeyman we've made up um, based on a war we've been in or or some some interaction we've had as a country, right, with another government. But in this case, it's our own it's our own people that are terrifying us, you know, which I think is very fair. <laughs> I think it's really fair to show Nazis as the bad guys. <laughs> so, yeah. And I love that they made the Nazis the bad guys in uh, 2014. And that was um, before a Trump presidency and before this like reignition of white supremacy in the country. I mean, it's always been in the, like in this country, like racism, yeah. white supremacy, okay, Nazism and, and Nazi ideology has always been a part of American culture. And the fact that this movie in 2014 in like the middle of the Obama administration, which was like one of the more like progressive times in modern history, um, was able to call out like, no, an extremely far right government would absolutely hire Nazis to be mercenaries, you know? Of course. It's really salient. So the gang is handed over and they are being pushed into... Uh, they're being pushed into this curtained area, forced to sit in chairs, and the curtain is pulled back to reveal a ballroom. Like a gala. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hyper wealthy people clapping, smiling, dressed impeccably. And this is where we realize that they are being auctioned to, as a group, being auctioned to be hunted by a number of these wealthy elite people. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of slavery and MAGA. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. And one of the funny things that I caught when this auction occurs, and they they make a point to say that this is the very last purge hunt of the evening. Mm -hmm. And so whoever hasn't, you know, gotten their jollies in yet needs to hurry up and do it (laughs) because purging is almost over. And we have three sets of people who raise their hand to pay a very modest $200,000 
a person to go and do this. And we get a Mr. Hurst and his two Oh sons. my God, you wrote down the names. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, because the Hurst family yes, is, a, you're right. is, an, is an existing family in America okay. that Thank is fabulously wealthy. Um, a, there was a Mr. Lockhart and his wife, Lauren, which I couldn't find um, an American Lockhart family um, that was known for being wealthy. But if I did maybe a little more digging, maybe I could find something. Um, and then there was the Hanover sisters and Hanover is pretzels. Pretzels? No. Okay. never mind. (laughs) Um, is, um, an extremely wealthy Royal family, um, from the, from the UK. And so that's where I was like, oh, because when I Googled Hanover family, it was like exclusively oh, about that. Okay. And so I was like, oh, maybe this is part of purge tourism, like like we talked about, where may like because we never hear these two sisters talk. No. But I was like, oh, maybe this is kind of nodding at wealthy people from not just the US. We're mm-hmm. getting some maybe some British people who are willing to travel to do some purge tourism. Yeah, we we might be getting some purge safari going on. Yeah, a purge safari. <laughs> so I thought that that was a nice little wink to the audience of like, yeah, you know exactly the kind of people who would yeah. be at this type of auction. Yeah, I love it. Um, uh, yeah. No, when you said uh, Hanover, I was thinking Snyder's of Hanover, the pretzels. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, is she a pretzel princess? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, I'm going to spend daddy's money on killing some poor people. Yeah. Oh, man. So these dudes and, and, and ladies are introduced into the actual hunting ground after the gala. Um, and it's really funny the way they get introduced, I think, Kate. I literally laughed out loud. Uh, <laughs> they all look like Trump Jr., And they sort of like slowly walk into the scene under a big spotlight in this warehouse that is set up to look like, like a fox hunting event almost. Um, And then they, they all come out, they join hands in a circle and they engage in the purge prayer right before they go hunting. And I just could not stop laughing at how goofy they looked. It's like, God, it's so absurd. It is so silly. Yeah. It's crazy to think that anybody would be doing this and think that it's okay, like that that there's a reason for this or that you deserve it. It's just so funny and bizarre. I mean, the enti- the amount of entitlement and the n- normalcy that they approach the situation with, it's it's brainwashing. It's a cult. They're they're just taking this feeling of, you know, oh, I want to do this. So I'm just going to take whatever base desire I have and I'm just going to let it run to its logical conclusion of being allowed to hunt actual people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So we get into a shootout. Um, The hunters are are chasing our gang and the gang are slinging it back to them. Um, When uh, the stranger enters the scene and the stranger is our homeless guy from Purge One. He's back. Yep, he's back. Um, In the midst of this hunt, it gets chaotic. We've got Leo, who is 
you know, he's military trained, so he's able to actually take out a good number Mm -hmm. of these hunters before the cavalry kind of rides in, so to speak. And the cavalry, of course, is Carmelo's anti-NFFA group. And we get the stranger. Um, that's his that's his name in the credits. Um, we don't get a, a name for him yet, who has joined the the protest side. And they have come in to just, you know, tear shit down and try and help these guys escape and kill as many of the hunters as they can. Yeah, and in the midst of all this, uh, Shane does go down. So we do finally lose poor Shane. Which was sad to me because they were working it out. They were going to have a nice marriage after all. (laughs) I was really glad that Liz got to like slip in real quick. Like, I still love you. I need you to know that. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And then dies. Yes. (laughs) Oh, it was perfect. Oh, man. I I, I saw that and I was like, "Uh, uh," like, uh, uh." that's how I felt. (laughs) Because I was imagining that that was Zach, right? Like... If I had to sit there and watch Zach die and, and, you know, it's so quick too. It's so like your lights are out. So you don't get to say goodbye. There's no dramatic exit. You're just gone. And she's right there with you. And I was like, Jesus, this is, this is the purge. This is what the purge does. (laughs) It's terrible. It is terrible. And Leo trusts that Carmelo and his group are going to be able to take care of Liz and get her out of there. And he takes Callie and Ava and he just gets them out of there. Yeah. Um, and his primary concern when he gets them out of there is there's still a little bit of time left. I can still do what I need to do. Yeah. He's got to go killing. There's no time for him to process any of the trauma that he's been through. He has to go get a little hunting in before the day is over. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, he's got to wait a whole year. Yeah. And um, I don't know about you, but I felt like this act three where it brings in the auction and the hunting arena and they somehow most of them, four fifths of them survive the hunting arena then it switches over to what Leo has been wanting to do this whole time. It just felt kind of not cohesive. And I felt like it's not totally out of left field, but just doesn't feel like it fit with the earlier kind of apocalyptic part parts of the movie. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I felt like this started sooner for me though, in my own mind that it turned, it was less of a, an apocalyptic journey and more of an action film towards the end. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I tried to put that into perspective because this movie is not necessarily about one thing happening the one thing happening is the purge but the purge is 12 hours and these people are trying to survive the 12 hours outside with the people who want to kill them and so I guess it makes sense that there are so many directions it goes in you know as we go through this plot there's just so many different things happening and it and it all culminates for Leo at this house um where where these people live that he wants to deal with finally 
And it's just a series of events. It's, you know, the purge is just a night long of crap you have to deal with. And I think, um, I think I was having a hard time with that, this movie. Um, but it made sense to me why he was here, but it did feel very abrupt. Mm-hmm. It did. Because I think that the other missing component in this for me was that he kind of quickly explains to the group what his agenda has been this whole movie. And I wish that we would have gotten more than crumbs of this earlier because I think it would have given some more emotional weight to the ending. Yes. Essentially, his son a year ago was killed by a drunk driver and was let off on a technicality. Very jigsaw. Always happens. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I swear, (laughs) dear listeners, that we will stop comparing every movie to Saw at some point, but that is not today. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyway, so Leo wants to kill this guy because he feels like the justice system didn't serve him, didn't serve his son or his family. And so he rolls up on this house and tells Ava and Callie to wait in the car while he goes and kills this man. So uh, we, yeah, we, yeah. we, we see him go inside and uh, wake the man up right moments before purge is over. Him and his he's wife are got, sleeping. He's got minutes. He's got minutes. He, I think he even says five minutes left and I'm like, okay, but does it matter? No. Just, just do it. <laughs> Although, Kate, um, earlier in the movie, we do hear a, a, a voice over the loudspeaker saying that the use of certain explosives are not allowed during Purge. Mm-hmm. Um, that when the stranger enters, he's using, you know, um, explosives he's not supposed to use. So there is some sort of surveillance going on in this universe so that did, for me, that gave a little bit of credence to this time limit. You know, the only way to really make the purge work, the only way, is to be able to enforce the time. And so you have to have massive surveillance for that to be happening. So um, I did find that funny when he says five minutes. But then I was like, well, maybe in this universe. I, I've seen evidence for surveillance in this universe yeah, I think that this guy, based on what we've seen too, he's he seems like a strict rule follower. Where yes. he's like, if he, you know, in his day-to-day life, he would not do something like this. But because this thing is legal, he will follow it to the letter to get what he wants. And so I was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense for this guy that he is not moralistic, but he is like lawful about things where he's like this is what the society has set up for us and so i will play by those rules yeah he's lawful good lawful good lawful lawful neutral lawful neutral all right um (laughs) actually no let's let's finish his character arc and then we'll we'll probably recalibrate him all right so he we see him go into this house um and we know that the drunk driver guy has a wife and a son and he Leo attacks attacks them and it does do a cutaway where you're pretty sure that Leo has has killed this guy. He leaves the house and he is bloodied kind of at his neck 
and um in like one of those like movie kind of double twists um leo as he's exiting the house actually gets shot in the chest yeah by the guy we saw earlier in the back of the um semi truck yeah who we thought that leo had already killed and it turned out this guy had enough time to get patched up and come back out and find Leo and kill him. Right. And this is where we learn the real purpose of the purge, why the government has sanctioned it and what they really want out of it. The man who has gunned him down actually is he's not a rich guy. He's not just a rich guy coming to get his jollies from some ladies. He works for the government. Um, and his job, essentially, is to take care of the killing that citizens are not doing themselves. He says that not enough people are being murdered, basically. And so he needs to come in and do his duty and murder some more people so that we can keep our bad numbers low and our good numbers high. And that's sort of what I had suspected all along for these stats in the in the beginning of the movies, right? That there is mm-hmm. some sort of nefarious reason why the stats are so good. Yep. A little helping hand from the government. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, government. <laughs> uh the the triple twist here is that after so many twists. Leo- I know. Leo's shot. He's laying, bleeding on the ground while this guy is explaining that the government is behind everything bad that's ever happened, uh, which we already knew. We're Americans. Um, Is that it turns out that Leo did not actually kill the drunk driver guy. He spared him. He, He decided to be the bigger man in the situation and let him live. And that karma was reaped immediately for him because this guy comes out of his house and just kills the government goon point blank. (laughs) Uh, And it's right before the siren goes because the siren goes and we, we see Ava has gotten out of her car with a gun. She's got it pointed at, at some bad folks. And we see the, the mercenaries that have finally caught up to Leo and they're out with their guns. Everyone's out with their guns and the sirens go and everybody falls back. It's like magic. (laughs) Which I was surprised by because I definitely thought that that government goon guy was just going to turn and like shoot everyone on. Oh yeah. Like a kind of like I'm the government, which means I'm above the law. Yeah, exactly. But they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. So the movie ends with um, Ava, Callie, and the drunk driver guy. He gets enlisted to uh, drive Leo to the hospital. And I will say that I was really disappointed that there was not mayhem at that hospital. Yes. Yes. And, you know, they get in the car and there's nobody on the streets. Like, are you telling me that people were not purged? Like, I feel like in this universe, people would have been ready at their doors with they're wounded. Just get into the car. Let's go. We're going to the hospital. We don't have time to wait for the ambulance. Like we got to go. There's, there's clearly no real system 
in place for this part of the purge, the the immediate aftermath. Because all you do, you hear sirens and people are trying to get their loved ones to the hospitals. But but it's not an organized system. It's just sort of like, deal with it. There you go. Yeah. It's very realistic. Yeah. That's what's (laughs) happening now. (laughs) Just deal with it. Um, but so, yeah, yeah, that's it. So the purge happens the same day every year, which is what March twenty first. Yeah. So that I means that um, it could happen on a Tuesday, or you know, if you're lucky, a Friday or a Saturday. If you're lucky, uh, you really right? need I mean, purge observed. <laughs> Right. So this is going to be my question to you. So obviously on the day leading up to the purge, we see people going grocery shopping. We see Ava working at the diner. There's still people driving around. So that's not like a government holiday. Um, But do you think the day after the purge is a holiday? No. Oh my goodness. No, I don't. Okay. Do you think that your work would give you time off? For the birch, for <laughs> no. either the day, the day of, or the day after. I think that's a really good question. No, those are like the <laughs> real questions we all think about. <laughs> so my work has given me, has been actually very good about dealing with COVID, and um, mm-hmm. they have a very good sick policy. So I feel like if the purge was real, oh my god. I don't know. There's so many ways this could go. I I feel like, okay, let's say the purge is real. They haven't quite figured out how they're going to really handle things yet. Um, But it's happening and it's America and it's like year one, year two, whatever. I think they would let us have the week off or honestly, I'm serious. I'm not kidding. I, and I also think I would not be surprised if my work let us like, paid for us to nah, what would they do what a mess i Maybe love this question like- by the way <laughs> I, I feel like there's at least some of us they would fly abroad <laughs> to survive the birds oh oh for sure there or, are people at your work who would be like oh yeah on a cruise ship gone. And, sent to, yeah. and sent to like fiji for the month of the purge you know gone, yeah <laughs> or the other thing i can see happening is um work building a fortress some sort of fortress and we are all allowed to bring like one family member or none just <laughs> <laughs> hang out inside just a little <laughs> friends and family program yeah <laughs> that's what I see happening I I would not rely honestly I wouldn't rely on my work to help me out with this any more than I would rely on our government which has propagated this in this scenario. So I, I don't think my work would propagate it, but I don't think there's a lot they could do to mitigate the entire travesty either. There's only so much. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, what would oh, happen we, at your work? I want to oh, hear. I want to hear. <laughs> oh, we would we would not get time off. We'd probably get penalized if we took time off. Um <laughs> Although I could, I can see something totally bad shit happening. Like if you like were able to somehow verify that you were hunting, <laughs> and, you, 
and you get the day after off. <laughs> but if you were just like home and like nothing happened to you, they'd be like, no, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, didn't you buy a better lock? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> That's yeah. a good question. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I don't think that we would get extra time off. I don't. And I think a lot of businesses would be like that, unfortunately. Like, well, I think a lot of places would be like, well, it's not a government holiday. So, like, <laughs> if you leave work at five, you've got two hours before the purge. So get your grocery shopping in and go the fuck home. Like, I mean, we literally <laughs> saw that in this movie. We even saw it in the last movie when Ethan yeah. Hawke is driving home. And I'm like, why is he even working? Yeah. Well, what do you think of the movie? What's your review? I liked it. Um, I think it's pretty good. Um, I would say I give it um, three out of five masks. Ooh. Maybe four. I don't know. I think I like it. I, th- I do think I maybe like it as much or more than the first one. And I did give the first one four. And so I think that this oh, is Oh, you got to give it five. it's so classic I always do this I I always like need to recalibrate like every time I give something ratings because I think that as an action movie and as a movie in total like I think the characters are more compelling um the action is pretty good there's some slow parts there's some stuff they definitely could have trimmed it comes in at an hour 45 it's kind of long yes so I thought it was I thought it was pretty good, but could have used maybe a stronger hand in editing, and, uh, yeah, I guess that's that's how I feel about it. What about you? Um, I actually liked it a lot. I liked it more than the first one, hands down. I thought the stories were more engaging. I thought they were more fleshed out. It felt very real. I felt like a lot of these decisions felt realistic compared to other horror movies even the first one um i thought that it wasn't a rehash if you're if you like the purge and you want to see more of the purge you should watch this movie it really helps flesh out the universe and show you a totally different perspective on it which i think is sure Yeah, I think it's important for this series to show it from all angles. You know, this isn't a series with one boogeyman. This is a series where it's an event and it's about what happens around that event. And so it's really, I feel like this has a good thing going for it. You can take almost any situation and just say, well, what happens if we apply the purge and make a cool movie out of it? It's a cool like study of what would happen if this were a reality. So I think this is a good, I think this is a good one. I don't like you, I don't consider it horror. Um, but I think it's a good thriller. Yeah, it's restrained. And I totally agree. I think that as the sequels go, the concept actually gets stronger because they make an effort to show you multiple perspectives from people of all different types of walks of life the purge election year, the third one is going to be interesting because that's um, almost like a prequel, but it's the third movie in the series. And I think that the world building is really great. It's really consistent and it just gets 
more and more depth as you go. So I would highly, I would highly recommend it. And I think that if you're kind of trigger shy around watching horror movies, this is so light on gore. There's no jump scares. It's just got this feeling of dread and you're watching people try and survive the night, but it's a lot closer to like a post-apocalyptic or like even zombie type movie than it is like a slasher movie. And that's The Purge, Anarchy. Yeah, go check it out. Do it. This was not quite dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're feeling a little weird or a little crazy, why don't you try listening to our episodes out of order? Why not? Or not. Listen to them in order, as intended. Either way, thanks for listening. And happy hunting.